Table Talk. Brought to you by Il Filio Enoteca in Fishkill, New York. And Dutchess County Tourism. Today on Table Talk, Scott Rosenberg of Il Filio in Fishkill, New York. Scott Rosenberg, welcome to this episode of Table Talk. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. I haven't, uh, haven't seen you in a bit. The last time I saw you, I was in uh, Il Barolotto for a wine dinner, which was amazing. And a uh, lot's happened with you since then. Yeah, I've been busy. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was busy during the pandemic. I wasn't home baking bread. <laughs> You didn't use the pandemic time to uh, start to learn how to home bake uh, your bread? No, I, uh, I, I learned a lot about construction. <laughs> oh, man. So you have this beautiful new restaurant behind you, Il Filio, just yeah. down the road. Yeah, a quarter mile down the road. Um, Fishkill, New York, for those that don't know. Yeah, right here in the village of Fishkill still. You know, I had established myself in the village for a really long time, for almost two decades. So leaving Fishkill was certainly not an option for me. Um, I love it here and uh, the Hudson Valley is very much my home. So I wanted to make sure that anyone that had uh, established a relationship with me um, didn't have to drive too far to continue that relationship. So Filio is, I believe, Italian for brother? The son. Son. Oh, gosh. My Italian teachers would be very disappointed in me. You get a, you get a B plus, you were first. Um, it has a really, really interesting kind of meaning to it um, for me personally. Um, you know, a lot of people know kind of my journey from um, working at um, Il Barilotto for so many years. I mean, I started there when I couldn't even drink um, and uh, really learned a lot about not only the restaurant business, but kind of myself as a human and, um, Il Filio is a representation of the son basically growing up. It's the next chapter in his life. And um, that's why the name was so important to me. And it does have really big significance because the son, he evolved, he changed, he grew up a little bit and now he moved out and he's on his own and he's doing his own thing and, you know, God willing, flourishing. That's awesome. So you you mentioned that was your, was that your first job at any restaurant was... uh... No, not first, but my first important job. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, it was, uh, I'm a graduate of the CIA. It was my first, uh, you know, real adulting job after I graduated. Um, And uh, little did I know that, you know, a part-time waitering position um, after getting out of school with a bachelor's degree program would lead to me down the road to, you know, becoming a partner in a really successful restaurant, having a great uh, life and, you know, and then eventually moving on to something like this, which is something I had no idea would turn out this way. Uh, it is so much grander than I ever thought it could ever be. So that's pretty cool. That's back when uh, Eddie Loria was involved with you. Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, so were you got? When did you? I mean, you started as a waiter. And you obviously knew you must have liked the job. Did you grow into? Did buy your way into a co-ownership position? How did you? How did that work? It's an interesting story. For so many years, I I thought I was going to be a chef for the rest of my life. And then the one thing that I realized as you start cooking and working in kitchens is that you have absolutely no idea if your customers are enjoying what you just created. And so that customer interaction, I was really kind of dying for. 
So, you know, when you go through the culinary, you go through some front of the house table service um, programs that teach you the basics. I really enjoyed myself. And then right before I started the bachelor's degree program and I was 18 years old, I grabbed my roommate and I said, you know, I went for dinner at this really cool restaurant in Wappingers Falls. It's called Aroma Osteria. I said, we should get jobs there as waiters while we're going to school part time. And that's how it started. Uh, we lied on our resume and, uh, you know, created this much grander image that we, we had no experience. We didn't know anything. Um, but we got jobs there as waiters and we worked uh, throughout our bachelor's program. And, you know, as the story goes, eventually um, a waiter job turned into a business partnership and a, a very long successful business. Yeah. Did you ever get exposed for being uh, inexperienced as a waiter, despite what your resume said? Oh, I think everybody knew that. Yeah, but you know, we learned real quick. You know, everyone, everyone, everyone does that on their resume when they're young. You know, they got to get in the door somehow. What are the finances of that? Do you have to come up with a, a big lump sum of cash, or do you work out like a working arrangement? How do you break in from employee to business partner? Uh, you have to say a prayer, and you know, there's, I think many, many ways of how people get into business these days. You know, you save your money. Um, uh, you depend on people that are close to you, that are around you to help you get a start. Uh, nowadays, you know, I don't even know how people go into business. Uh, it, you know, starting a business, you know, and I just went through the whole thing myself with Ophelio, you know, you don't, you don't start up a, a, an operation or any type of business with $30,000 uh, and a dream. You know, $30,000, what does that buy you? Right. There's a couple ovens in my kitchen and that's it, you know? Wow. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's challenging. And, you know, doing that to Ophelia during a pandemic makes you really question what you're doing um, quite often. Even though maybe I could so humbly say that I do have enough experience, uh, but I never had enough experience to make me feel comfortable doing this during such a very uh, fragile time. Uh, so your, your preparations to start this restaurant predate the, the pandemic. And yeah, then... actually, <laughs> I signed my lease uh, one month before the pandemic started. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so talk about running into the eye of the storm. There was never a time that I said I was going to quit and just stop moving forward, but along that journey, and it was a very interesting one. Um, there are times that, you know, you really question, am I doing the right thing? You know, I think on a good day, you would question yourself and any restaurateur listening to this probably can sit back and laugh a little bit and say, man, I've been there. And, and now I'm part of that group that can say, hey, you know, wow, I went through that journey. And going through that journey and building a restaurant and putting it all together on a normal day is challenging enough. Putting it together during a pandemic time with so many hoops to jump through, it definitely tested me as a, as a human being uh, for, for years to come. Um, so everything here going forward, I feel like is gonna be a little bit easier. <laughs> if it I has could, to be. For part, yeah, you know, I, I, I've been thrown a, a lot of curveballs. So you have to have a lot of faith in what you're doing and your business model and your and your idea for what a successful restaurant is to be able to persevere through that. You know, can you can you dig a little into what the vision is for Il Filio and perhaps why 
it's different from you, you mentioned it's growing up it's the sun leaving and growing up and being better than the generation before it are there any particulars that you could speak to well the only way this is possible is by having a team that is loyal to you that believes in what you're doing so this never would have happened you know i only have two hands and two feet that cannot build something like this you have to have people around you uh, that a have a belief in you and b support you whether that be your dishwasher whether that be uh, a manager whether that be your bartender or whether that be the guy that did the electrical work or the painter in the restaurant and so through this whole process i surrounded myself with people that a i had a relationship with and b um, that believed in what was going to happen. You know, I heard so many times, we can't wait to finish this job because we can't wait to eat here again. You know? And um, that also kind of speaks to the 19 year old customer base that I procured for so long at Bariloto. They were displaced for a year and I got so many amazing messages checking in to see how not only I was doing, but my whole team. And it, it's very, um, very powerful. Uh, it gives you kind of the fuel to keep on going. And so when we did open, you know, there was a big question mark. Gosh, it's scary out there. Are people gonna come out to eat? And well, guess what? They came out. They're ready to come, they're ready to support us. And uh, they uh, basically laid dormant for a year and they, they're now out of the shell. And it's, it's been amazing. It's, uh, it's, it's very overwhelming. The restaurant looks absolutely beautiful. We've seen, I'm obviously getting a little glimpse behind you now, but also through photos, it looks a little larger than the previous place. Yeah. <laughs> so like all things in life, it starts off as a humble thing and then turns into something quite grand. And that's exactly what happened. Um, it's interesting how that evolved because um, I'm a restaurant guy and I'm not a construction guy. I had a distinct vision on what I wanted to do with this restaurant. Um, and a very dear friend of mine who is in high end construction and renovation work in New York City, him and his brother took a drive up here. We sat inside this concrete shell of a space and they looked at me and they said, you're in way over your head. And I got very nervous. And like many in things- In what way? Did it had too, too much seating or? No, just, I was about to dive in head first into something that I was not an expert in. And so um, like anything in life, it seems like just when you think that it isn't gonna work out, somebody kind of slides in and there's like this divine intervention. Well, that happened. So uh, a Finnish carpenter made a recommendation to me and he said, you need to talk to this guy I don't know if he's going to be available, but his name is Ford Scoglin. And I said, well, who the hell has a name Ford? That's the first thing I said. So I, I do what everyone today does. We don't call them up. We send them a message on Instagram. So I send him a message on Instagram. He responds and we agree to meet in my empty concrete shell of a restaurant on a picnic table and two plastic chairs on a Sunday afternoon. We sat there for three hours and we just, uh, you know, shot the shit and talked about life, talked about, you know, restaurants and so on and so on and so forth. And I got to know a little bit more about this guy and, uh, you know, 
the pandemic had really kind of brought him more up into the Hudson Valley. This is a designer that's opened 37 restaurants between the United States and, the, and London. Okay. And he really primarily works in, in, um, in New York City. He also has a home in Millbrook. So nobody was hanging out in New York City during the pandemic. There's nothing right. really so let's go upstate to my weekend home in Millbrook. We're going to hang by the pool. And he says, I have a small space of time that this might work perfect for. So the connection was made and it was one of the most uh, grateful connections ever in my life. Uh, Ford came on at a perfect time and took this dream that I had and they were distinct visions and he made them applicable to a restaurant and he made them functional. And then what he did is he made the whole place sparkle. And I couldn't be more happy with the design. When people come in here, their jaw drops because they're so overwhelmed, they can't believe they're in fish kill. And that was the whole idea is that we literally transport you somewhere else when you walk in. And to get back to your question about the size, yes, there was a couple things that needed to happen uh, moving away from Bariloto. And that was, well, you can never get a parking spot at Bariloto. It was so right. tight. So we fixed that. I have the biggest parking lot in all of Fishkill. There was no place to do a party at Fishkill. You sat there for a wine dinner and it was so- Right, we were right in the middle of the restaurant. Yeah. Exactly, because it really was never meant for that. So now I have areas to do private events. We needed a bigger bar. There was too much crowding going on at the bar. And so all these kind of question marks are now satisfied here with Ophelio. And then what better time to have it happen than a time when maybe everyone needs a little bit of el extra elbow room when they go out. Sure. To and so this is like the most comfortable restaurant to be at right now, considering the times. Um, but Ford was a blessing in disguise and it came into the right time. And, um, he Would really you say that he took your abstract vision and, and made it into a reality with specific suggestions you weren't really thinking about? Yeah, I, I think he took like a dream and made it functional. You know, we, we always, we have a saying here, we, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And, and sometimes when you talk to somebody who's got that experience and, and has that resume and pedigree that they can translate what you're talking about into a, a functional result, that's impressive. Yeah, and it was, a, it was a big risk because this was essentially a stranger. Uh, but that stranger has now turned into a dear friend. That's uh, great. He's long done with this job, but we still converse. And Is there something in particular that he did? Like, give me one example where you weren't thinking about this and then he mentioned it and it was like, wow, that's so obvious and such a good idea. Well, there's just so many details in this restaurant that almost made me feel a little uncomfortable on going with it. And just like when a chef would create a dish that you just aren't convinced about, you have to say, listen, cook the dish and let me taste it. And you then have the option to say, you know what, this is magical or, you know what, I, I really just don't care for this combination. And maybe it's just me, but Ford pushed me to have faith in the guy and his track record proved effective because now there are things in this restaurant that I would have never thought about that now get commented on constantly. Um, and things that I was a little nervous about having installed into the restaurant, such like as what? like a, a bar tile that was handmade in California that okay. I was like, mm -hmm. 
I'm not sure how this is going to work. And he goes, trust the process. He goes, and he says, I would never push you towards something if I didn't. Believe what is that? Just on the bar top itself? Having time? No, it's the actual, it's the actual um, backsplash of the bar. Oh, okay. There's, it's a mixture of uh, antique glass, but there are these beautiful handmade tiles that uh, actually are 3D in their texture uh, made by some, some hippies out in California that took their sweet time making them. Um, and caused us- Made them with love though. Yeah, they were made with lots of love. <laughs> now they become the statement piece when anybody ever passes by the bar and they go, wow, those tiles are just stunning. And you know, there, there are items like that, like the lighting that go into this restaurant that probably I would have never uh, thought about selecting and his ability to source things. It, it made me value what an interior designer does, but also an interior designer that has an understanding of architecture and, and also an understanding of, um, you know, how a restaurant works. You know, it's all fine and dandy to make it pretty, but make it durable. This restaurant has to last for years to come. And it you mentioned that this evokes this, I can't believe I'm in Fishkill feeling. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I'm in a strip mall in the village of Fishkill, you know? So, <laughs> you know, it's- So where does the restaurant take you though? How does it make you feel? Or do you transcend to- your favorite restaurants in the world? I mean, do you really get that kind of escape walking through the doors? No, it's just something, you know, it, it takes you to, it takes you to like a real expression of me. This is me. It's, you know, those who know me very well, they come in, they go, oh my God, this restaurant just speaks you. It's not, it's not a copy of anything else. It's just, uh, it's an expression of me. I come and sit in this restaurant in the morning and have my coffee and I admire the colors, I admire how comfortable it feels. Um, and it is, it's, you know, it is distinctly Italian. There's no getting around that. That's my wheelhouse. But does it abbreviate on so many other things? Yes. You know, do I play my music that I like in here? Of course I do. You know, I, I, it's me. This is Scott's, you know, it's an expression of what I like. Has the menu evolved from Il Barotto or is it? It has. Same theme. So, uh, you know, the, the base, so the formula is the same. Somebody very, very smart said something to me before I opened up, they go, you know, I hope you're not changing your menu at all. And I said, well, I'm changing it a little bit. And they said, well, don't get too crazy. You wanna know why? There's been so much change in the last year. You know what everybody wants? Something familiar. Yeah. So what we did very carefully was leave some familiar things that are gonna be an homage to what I did for 19 years. Because we can't just put a period at the end of the sentence and say, let's forget about Bariloto. I'm not gonna ever forget about what I did there for 19 sure. years. I, I was so proud of that restaurant and I will always be proud of it. And rightfully so, it was a wonderful, wonderful restaurant. Thank you. Um, and so there was little, little earmarks from that restaurant that kind of made their way here, just as kind of a little nod to what was from the past. But this is not a lateral move restaurant. It is meant to be uh, new, a little bit more grand and a little bit more upgraded. And so the menu is reflective of that. And you'll see a lot of uh, new items and things that will make new traditions here at the restaurant. Yeah. Is it the same chef that was in the kitchen at Barilotto? So actually it's the same team that's from Barilotto. Okay. Um, one of the... Uh, changes that was kind of pandemic related here was my chef uh, and I actually parted ways during the pandemic. Okay. 
Um, you know, it was a little bit of a, of a scary thing, but uh, my chef and I are very close and he is first and foremost in what I say to everyone, a great human being. And number two, a great chef. And, um, you know, there was some uh, issues that were happening that were non-related to the restaurant. You know, obligations to have health insurance for children. And it puts people in a different pers perspective and a predicament. Sure. They need to make a change for themselves. And there was no hard feelings there. Um, I still speak with him on a regular basis. And it was beautiful. He came like the second week that we were open came to check on everybody uh, and he's grabbing his own opportunities right now that I will fully support and wish him nothing but the best. Um, so the interesting thing kind of to answer your question there is, yeah, a lot of people ask that is, you know, who is the chef? And it's like, well, you know, in any great restaurant, yeah, a chef is important, but what's more important is the hands that build everything. Right. And there's never, like I said, it's not just two hands. So, do I oversee the kitchen? Yes. You know, my utilizing that $65,000 CIA uh, degree that I bought myself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know what? It feels really good. Uh, it feels really good to be in the kitchen with my guys. The first month that the restaurant was open, no one saw me in the front. Uh, I was in the back making sure that the food was delicious. It was proper, properly cooked uh, and things were done the right way. Um, the one thing that I always talk about is, is that we know that the restaurant will be pretty, um, but this will never become a restaurant that is just pretty. It has to back it up with equally delicious food. And the resonating kind of feel that we've been getting is that it is. And their experience here at Il Filio is even better than what they had at Il Bariloto, which is a very satisfying compliment to get because it is a... Uh, kind of a litmus test of my work that I'm putting in here, you know, which is a lot of work. You know, it's when I, uh, I, when I first moved to the Hudson Valley, when I was on the fence about, should I move up here from Westchester or not? One of the, like the week I was making that choice, I went to dinner at Baralotto at the bar and I had this wonderful, it was a, um, what's the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's not Zuppa de Pesce. It's like the Italian, um, the Brodetto, the Brodetto yeah. like this wonderful seafood and a little bit of chorizo. I still remember that. And I had this fabulous glass of wine and I was sitting there in a lively restaurant and people were enjoying themselves. And that was one of the clinching moments for me was to know that, I mean, the restaurant scene was so important to me and I had so many favorites in Westchester and I came up here and I remember just that experience, like this could work. I really do like it up here. And, this restaurant is great, you know, and, and I, and I admire, I admire that menu, just so many things on it that I would order and the ability of the specials is so creative and the pastas, you know, and the people I speak with regularly would claim that to be one of their favorites. So I would, I think the anticipation for Il Filio, the, the bar is high. People are, people are itching to go out in general. They're, you know, they're going to get their vaccinations, the herd immunity is here. And for many, this could be their first time out to a restaurant. It, it and is. We're, and we're I bet your place is right there on the list to, to go. Yeah. It, that bar is set really high. It makes my job really challenging, but it's also very rewarding. You know, last night I had a couple coming in. It was their anniversary. It's their first night out in a year. And they said, fabulous. 
this was just such a treat. And they must have relished just being out of the house and having that restaurant experience. Yeah. And I know that you're so generous to the community as many of your restaurateurs are. And people often overlook that part. You know, if there's a charity or something like that, you guys are the first to give gift cards and make food, you know, and I'm excited for the community to give back. I'm excited for them to get back out there and support local restaurants, especially new restaurants, you know, yeah. excited for them to get back there. And they are. We have been, every single person that works here has been so incredibly thankful and no one's more thankful than me. You know, when I see a busy night here every night, I am grateful, not just because I know I can pay my bills, but it, it is uh, a testament to people are coming back out and I see better days ahead, you know. Um, it's giving a reward to the fact that I'm working so hard, you know. I mean, I have like bags under my eyes, I don't sleep, <laughs> you know, I'm here every day. It's a good um, thing you got that espresso machine, right? Uh, like, yeah. Exactly. But it, it's, it's great. It's very rewarding. You know, so you've been in the Hudson Valley restaurant scene for a while now. I mean, if your job back at Aroma goes back to the, the late 90s and, and being a student at culinary, what do you think the evolution has been? Are, are there things that remain consistent? Are there things that have evolved? You're in a unique position to comment on it over this really a long career. Well, so there's some interesting things that are happening in the Hudson Valley. Um, it's become this very popular destination in certain pockets for New York City. My wish is that New York City would expand its pockets of interest um, and see a little bit more of the Hudson Valley. I think there's a lot more to see. Um, you know, I, I would love to see some more um, relationships with these great farms and local restaurants, um, you know. I, I, everything is a business. So I see a lot of 845 area codes at the Union Square Green Market where they can sell that produce for a lot more money. And I get it. And, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, don't disagree with that. Um, but what I see is a lot of uh, people making a serious change from New York City uh, and establishing a life up here, whether it be a couple days a week or full time. Um, and that's very refreshing to see because it's, um, I mean, not in every case, but it is a very sophisticated palette kind of luring themselves up here and establishing a home for themselves. And that means that there's a demand for what I'm doing. Um, so it's almost like a little bit of an insurance policy. And I love seeing that because, you know, 10 years ago, you know, who knew about, you know, was Beacon as hot as it was today, for example? No. Um, I love having that kind of New York clientele come up here and say, wow, this is just as good as if I was in New York City. Yeah. Are you originally from the Hudson Valley? Are you? No, uh, I was, uh, I, I'm a native New Yorker, born in Rochester. My parents are from Long Island. Okay. Uh, I was raised in the Midwest, in Minneapolis and Chicago. Uh, and then when I came back out here, I was 18 uh, to go to school and I never left New York. So your first arrival in Hudson Valley was from the culinary? Yep, exactly. And to You're be getting... honest, not a great one. I was living in, uh, you know, Hyde Park and <laughs> I just, I wanted to get out of here. Every weekend I was leaving. Uh, as my, I, was, I was on Priceline.com wanting to go home to Minnesota like every other weekend. And I think that was partially due to just like the social setting of school and not having like great friends and things like that. And it wasn't okay. until I moved down to like Southern Dutchess County that I really started uh, finding like my true love for the Hudson Valley. And, and it is so special. And during the pandemic, 
I had time to really explore things that I never ever had time to do, whether it be hiking or foraging for ramps and stuff like that. And it made me really appreciate where I am, not only for location wise during a pandemic, but Hudson Valley is just amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing place to be. Yeah. So in many respects, getting that job at Aroma is kind of the first anchor. Yeah. That would become your next, you know, how many years? 30 years. Yeah, it definitely placed me in New York, but it definitely that job at Aroma placed me in the right place to learn how to become someone in the restaurant business. You know, how did you know you wanted to be a chef in general? Oh, I was watching cooking shows on the Discovery Channel since I was 10 years old, like going into the kitchen and burning everything. And then I'd <laughs> garbage and my mother would yell at me because I ruined it. And she's like, no, 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 you can't throw it out. You have to save it. You got to eat it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I loved it. I loved doing that. It Any was, shows in particular that you really liked? Oh, it was the great chefs on the Discovery Channel. Yeah, I think it was Discovery. It's no, no longer on. Uh, yeah, this was way before Food Network. I'm going to date myself. Were your parents cooks at all or my mom food? Uh, was a decent cook. My aunt was an amazing cook. Okay. My family was amazing at making reservations. Okay. We yeah. We, we, we entertained really well during the holidays, but there wasn't strong family cooking traditions. And I think being around um, like Catholic traditions uh, in an Italian restaurant made me really fall in love with food. Okay. Um, I didn't grow up with those traditions. Like, for example, we're coming up on Easter on Sunday. And, you know, you're not going to hear this too often that a Jewish kid loves Easter because it's his favorite food holiday. The pizza rustica. Yeah, I got four of them in the oven right now that I made this morning. You know, Beautiful. Everything. You know, we got two cases of beautiful lamb chops that just came in. Uh, I got pastiera for dessert. Uh, just like all the spring vegetables, you know. Those I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you... Uh, my family never did. I mean, my mom makes an amazing pizza rustica. Yeah. And she got the recipe from air quotes, big Edith Romano, which is, I guess when you say big or little was the older, younger, but this is a hundred uh, year old recipe. We're still making it. It's still amazing. And my wife's family, also Italian, they were doing things Easter related that my family never did. So I'm curious if, if I'm going to ask you, <laughs> trying to invalidate her family's traditions here. Uh, the, they make this bread soup. It's like a saffron bread soup with cheese on it. Okay. Have, have you, are, is that past your traditions? I haven't really seen that one. Not on Easter, but. Okay. And then the other one is the, uh, they call it the popokolova, which is like the hard boiled egg and the candied bread. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Okay. I'm gonna take a hard pass on that. <laughs> I'm just gonna stick to my pizza rustica. I'm with you, man. I love pizza rustica. It's my favorite thing. I make it every year. The whole staff here, they know, you know. After- do you put hard boiled egg in yours? No, no. Neither do I. Yeah. And I know that some people do. Yeah. But it's great, you know. I I live for these traditions. Well, the it used to be the like the shepherd in Italy would take a piece of pizza rustica and be able to wrap it up in a napkin and take it out into the field, and that would be a meal. It wouldn't just be an Easter an Easter thing. It'd be a regular rustic countryside meal. Yeah. Well, it's going to become my breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I'm i a huge fan. Breakfast, lunch, appetizers before dinner. Yeah. And how about for the lamb? Do you guys do like a uh, lamb chops? Yeah. We're lake shank, that. lamb shank? We have the lamb shank on the menu. We're doing scotadito lamb, shank, uh, lamb chops, which means scorched finger. 
So they're like individual grilled lamb chops. And so when they're so hot, they're, they're meant to be scorching your finger when you pick them up with the bone and eat them. Oh, those sound fabulous. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. What's going on with the wine program at the restaurant? So the, the program here, so everybody remembered El Bariloto as having this really extensive wine program. And it was, it was amazing. Um, Agreed. Here was very different. Um, it was more of an abbreviated wine list. I call it a smart wine list. Okay. So the wine list is about half as big. It has a lot of little boutique kind of hand picked selections by me. Um, and it also has some non-Italian selections, which people were really looking for when they were at Ubariloto. Okay. So that's kind of expanding, but the real expansion on the, the beverage program here was our cocktail program. Okay. So um, when people come here, they're gonna see uh, a much more um, expansive and much more serious specialty cocktail program rollout um, that has been just super fun. This restaurant is just wanting you to start with a cocktail and then have a glass of wine or a bottle afterwards. And the cocktails are amazing. Yeah. Are you doing uh, like specialty cocktails or just to focus on the classics? We have a mixture of both. Okay. You know, we have uh, a menu of Negronis and then we have 11 or 12 different specialty cocktails that we do um, that, you know, utilize some Italian ingredients, some that aren't. But uh, they're, they've been wildly popular. And, uh, you know, the spirits world is booming right now. And it's a trend that's not going away. And so we said, we need to get on this train. And uh, my guys here spent a lot of time working very, very hard to come up with a, a really inventive and very, very smart cocktail list. And it's, it's a lot of fun. You know? So how are we making the house? I'm a huge Negroni fan. So what, uh, what are we putting in the house Negroni? We have the classic Negroni. We have a mezcal Negroni, okay. uh, a white Negroni. So all are equally delicious. It just depends on what you're into. Um, and they're, they're, they're amazing, yeah. So. Which, uh, just curious, what vermouth, what, uh, what gin, what Campari, how, how are we making the- and With the, with the uh, Classico is uh, gonna be a Plymouth gin. Which okay. Not everyone's really familiar with, uh, really delicious. And then we're using um, the Koki, the Koki uh, uh, sweet vermouth, the Torino sweet vermouth. Yeah, it's been kind of a staple in the restaurant for a long time. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm craving this, man. I got to come in for some scorched yeah, finger lamb chops and Negroni, yeah. and we uh, we got our vac. We, we're we're on the vaccination train. We got our first Fauci ouchie the other day. So we'll be uh, we'll be coming in shortly. I can't wait, man. Yeah, it, it's a it's a great relief, you know. It's interesting in, in the restaurant business, I'm not really here to chit chat about whether you believe in a vaccine or not, it is what it is. I mean, I'm fully vaccinated because if I went down, the whole ship was going down. Yeah. So maintain a healthy way. But uh, it's beautiful to see the sense of relief and especially older people that were so excited to come out and they say, okay, it's been two weeks since our second vaccination we're coming out and we're ready to, you know, they're ready to re-enter life again, you know? And, uh, you know, we want them to feel comfortable. Good for them. I, I'm yeah. so envious of that, and but grateful that they get to do it. Yeah. yeah. That's really fabulous. So, okay, you got this beautiful new restaurant. Let's, let's do a hypothetical here. You're now ready to show off. If anyone, you could invite anyone, whether dead or alive, and we're gonna have this dream dinner in your restaurant, who are we having for dinner and what are we making? 
because I haven't seen them yet. Who's that? My family. Okay, your family. Beautiful. And what are we making? We can't, they haven't been able to come. They're not, okay. they're not nearby. So. so we're going to fly them in. Yeah. We're going to have a great dinner. It's going to be a Saturday night. What are we making for dinner for your family? Well, I'm going to let them dictate that because every time I start ordering food for my family, they tell me they don't like this or they don't want that. <laughs> What's family for? For arguing. <laughs> That's what they're for. <laughs> so I'm going to let them order whatever they want, you know? Uh, but you know, I just, I want them here. That's I'm uh, sure they would love it. My only wish right now is that, um, you know, they're far away. Everyone Are they still in Minnesota? Family. Yeah. I have half my family in Minnesota. The other half of my family is in South Carolina. Okay. And, um, so, you know, they're not that far, but they'll, they'll eventually make their way. They, they knew better to stay away for a little bit while I was opening up. They, you know, I can be a little bit of a monster sometimes. <laughs> um, so they said, once you get things organized, we'll come and see you. So I'm really looking forward to having my family. Are you in there seven days a week? I mean, do you ever get a day off? What's Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to take my first half day tonight. Okay. Um, but the reservations keep on climbing and climbing. So naturally, I kind of want to stay here. Um, I am. But, you know, that's the gig. That's what I signed up for. That right. is the line that I put my signature on. And you know what? It's okay because it's here and it's here. Yeah. For me, you know, and it's very, it's very rewarding, you know, and I don't mind it. So, but have you heard any, uh, like, do you ever get validation from, like, is the Culinary Institute proactive and reaching out to their students or graduates and yeah. offering if, help or congratulates? The greatest validation from the CIA is, is when I have an instructor that was one of my instructors that I haven't seen in a long time and they come in and they tell me how impressed they are by things. It happened at Bariloto on a small handful of occasions. And it's very rewarding to know that, you know, I was once a student, now I'm running an operation and they approve of it. Not only do they approve, they come back again and again because they really enjoy it. It's very, 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 very satisfying. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Do they remember you from, I presume the burning of the food was left behind in Minnesota. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> they don't call you out and say like, oh, that time you did this very thing. Good at making it. Yeah. <laughs> but they are very genuine. You know, I'm very lucky to have had that opportunity up there. You know? Do you have any favorite teachers that might've come in or who, anybody in particular? It's not about favorite teachers. I think I am very thankful to have gone through and those who have been around and seen the culinary through its time. I'm very thankful to have been there during the time of when the president, uh, Ferdinand Metz was there. Cause I think that and it's just my honest opinion that the culinary was a much different place back then. Um, it was a time where it was taken with real serious regard. Um, and not that it isn't today. I think it's just the CIA is a very different place and it's producing something very different, neither bad or better, or better or worse, uh, it's just different. And so I'm very, very thankful to have gone through that time period when he was there uh, because, you know, it was uh, not everyone gets a trophy kind of uh, right. time, um, you know, and if you sucked, you needed to fix it and get better. You know, you were held very much accountable um, and it made me a better person, you know, it made me a better cook taught me more about the restaurant business. 
Do you think that carries over into the kitchen? And I know that there's some criticism for the classic, you know, the classic French kitchen where, you know, it's a, it's a volatile, possibly violent place. Yeah. Do things correctly or, you know, you're out of here. Well, you know what I think? I think like everything in life evolves and changes. So that whole mentality of that French style, you know, having a saute pan thrown at you um, right. mentality, it's, it's outdated and it's expired. Uh, but we still need to find that middle ground where, you know, people actually want to work hard and find reward in hard work. Um, you know, it is no secret that most people that graduate the culinary actually don't ever cook after they graduate. Um, I am running a business uh, employing guys in a kitchen where nobody wants to cook anymore. You know, it's hard. It's hard to find people to do this type of work, you know, no matter how nice you make it for them, no matter what type of perks you give them or try to make their life a little bit easier, you know, go find a couple really good talented guys that are motivated that want to stand behind a 500 degree oven five to six nights a week and burn themselves. You know, it, it's hard. It's really hard. So, but that's, what's required to get the, you know, to get the results you're looking for. You need yeah. people who are going to work hard. It's not, yeah, nobody's certainly not a TV episode where everything is glamorized. No, no, no. You know, there's no fancy chef coats here. It's, you know, just a lot of hard work, but my guys are amazing. They're such, they're, they're good people, which is the most important thing. Yeah. Well, Scott Rosenberg, thank you for joining Table Talk. We really appreciate your time today. It's really nice chatting with you. And I uh, hope I see you soon at the restaurant. And, you definitely uh, will very soon. I was going to come tonight, but if you're not going to be there tonight, I got to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will definitely be in there very soon. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great holiday. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Hey, hang on, hang on. Okay. Um, I just wanted to end that for the episode. Um, okay. Sabrina, can you come back in and yep. anything we missed or we should talk about? Because we can always edit it afterwards. But um, Just the disclaimer. Otherwise, I think it was really comprehensive. Scott, anything you want to talk about that we didn't get to? Mm, no, no, I, I think we're good. Okay. Um, you know, are you, this will be edited, correct? It's really, I mean, the first part was just going to be a straight shot through. I mean, this part now will be, won't be. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. That, that, you know, I, 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 I generally don't talk a lot about Eddie, uh, yeah. in any interview. Uh, I just prefer not to, but okay. I don't think we dwelled on it too much. Yeah. And it was, it was very complimentary. I mean, everyone knows that that didn't end very well. Um, okay. so, um but that's fine. Um, and that's it. Okay. You know? um, what happened there? I mean, I, I really don't even know. I just know that it's nothing it's nothing bad you know il, il barilotto didn't end because of the the pandemic we were flourishing and doing amazing business eddie had been retired for quite some time and his presence in new york um was becoming less and less and he put his house on the market to leave new york and kind of balance his time between spain and, and florida okay but we had uh, a uh, uh conversations about me taking over a, a little bit more of a majority role at il, il barilotto and uh you know at the end of the day the negotiation just ended yeah um, and um you know so it was a 19 year old restaurant and uh you know we agreed to disagree and i had nothing to hold on to i wasn't tied to anything so i you know i said i wish you bet the best and you know we put a close 
we, you know, we put a closure on the chapter and, uh, you know, that's why I came down the street and, you know, threw all my cards on, on black and, and risked it all. Yeah. So, you know, it would have been much easier for me to stay at Il Barloto and just be on cruise control, you know? And so a lot of things happen in the interim, you know, I went, I did construction during a pandemic. I lost my chef. Um, I didn't think I was going to have anybody, you know, I went through a lot of shit. Um, and now, you know, the reward is starting to reap its benefits, but with not a share of headaches, you know, yeah. like I told you, I'm here every day, you know, there is always a caveat to everything. There's always something going on that is going to be an issue. Um, and you know, the only people that will ever understand and be able to empathize with me are those great restaurateurs. And they've been coming in one by one, you know, like the Nikki Sateras of the world that run Cosmos. Yeah. I'm a small potato compared to him. Yeah. And he looked at me and he can look into my eyes and, he's, and he, he'll be one of like, you know, a dozen people out there that know what I'm going through. Yeah. And I'm young, you know, so I got a ways to go. I'm not, I'm not retired yet. So, but we'll keep grinding, before. man. I mean, we're all yeah. rooting for you. Big fans of the restaurant. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty and your candor. I appreciate of course. it. Yeah. It's how I, I shoot from the hip. So it's good. Yeah. And I, you guys have been very supportive of uh, this project. So I'm really, really thankful. And we'll continue to do so. You do a great job. I really appreciate it. Well, have fun with the pizza rustica. And, I will. Uh, and uh, I'll talk to you guys very soon. All right. Thank you very much. You know, this last little bit, it, it's, it's honest and it's not mean. Are you okay with me putting that in the, in the piece? If I could preview it, would you mind? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's, it's, it's real. And I think yeah. people are interested and I think it, it, it really boosts your story about how, Hey, we're, I'm, this is me. I'm, I'm, I'm on my own and I'm, I'm giving it everything I got. Yeah. No, no, no. I think uh, the customer base that knows me uh, on a more of an intimate level knows that. Yeah. So the, the general feeling, it's like they come in here and they go, we're so happy for you, Scott. Yeah. We can't, we can't begin to tell you how proud we are of you. And it's like, it's very emotional. Um, and those who know the journey, they're like, they're like the biggest cheerleader because yeah. they, they and, and you know what? And it's not like a one-way street. They get something in return for it because there, there is a fun experience here. Like you come in and you know, you don't want to leave, you know, yeah. it's, this is like, this is a fun spot to hang out. I didn't want to say the wrong thing, but like, I'm, I'm looking behind you and I've seen the, the pictures. It takes me to like, this is weird. You know, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, where's that there's like the nightclub scene in Shanghai yeah. in 1933. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like glitzy and awesome. Or those like great Gatsby nightclubs, like the well, lighting in the, in the, I think it's the booth, the panoramic booth. It looks really cool. This restaurant is ready for the Renaissance and after the shit that we've been through over the last 12 to 14 months, I can tell you that it's on its way and it's already starting because there will be wildness all the time. <laughs> Bottles of champagne, wine, great meals. And that's great. After. And this restaurant is just, it's like a Ferrari that just wants to go faster. It is ready to go. Do you and think you'll ever do like music? No. Or any kind of, like nothing? Okay. No. Um, the acoustics are not welcoming for it. And okay. Just no, I want to listen to my own music. Yeah. Well, what <laughs> but, is your own soundtrack? I know you, you mentioned that before. Like what? The biggest say, hodgepodge of like fun music you're going to ever hear. Okay. Like, 
everyone everyone asks they're like can i have your spotify playlist and i'm like it's not a spotify playlist i don't even know what spotify is you've got but, your own mp3s curated through the year yeah. it's like my my ipod <laughs> i don't know <laughs> my apple music but um you know that's awesome yeah so it's good but, well thanks scott i yeah. wish you the best of luck and we'll see you Thank soon you. in there truthfully you got it i'll talk to you guys soon all right thank Take you